Welcome to Gu Dao Jingqing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Good morning, Ian. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's、uh, definitely fall is is coming. Oh wow, wow! I miss、uh, you know the fall season in、uh, in your area. You know, lived there for several years and、uh, remember you know especially the foliage.、Mm. Beautiful. Yes, it, it, fortunately we're still. A little ways away from that, but you can feel fall in in the air, particularly in in the mornings these days. I see, I see. Yeah, that's great. That's great. How about you? How are you today? Doing good. And、um, I just、uh, came back,、uh, you know, on Friday, a very interesting trip、uh, organized by a、uh, you know the.、Uh, Harvard Club of uh, Central Florida, uh, and uh, you know we were taken onto a, a paddling tour to see the bioluminescence,、uh, which I've、oh. never seen.、Ever. Wow! I mean, that sounds sounds an like an incredible manifestation of of Dow. What was it like for you? It was very, you know, it was very interesting because I, you know, I wanted to. Uh, plan this trip,、uh, you know, with my wife、uh, for a while, and、uh, so you know they organized this、uh, trip. So we thought, you know, that was probably a good spot they picked, you know, for you know the for 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 this kind of uh, uh, you know event.、Um, but at the same time, I'll tell you, it was、uh, my first time to do the you know the kayaking. So I was a little bit, you know, anxious about,、uh, you know, how to maneuver on the water, and especially at night. You know, I know, you know, you you know, in this area, you know, there, are, you know, manatees and the crocodile, you know, the、uh, alligators. So,、uh, fortunately, you know, I over I overcome my fear, and we, you know, we went on you know, a very nice trip with the group. Sounds very very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, this is something that、uh, you know happens to be you know our、um, topic today about you know human minds, humankind's、um, you know relationship with nature, and especially how to survive in nature.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about. All that, and there's definitely some tales of of kayaking and and involved. Wow! Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Yeah. So let's get started. And、uh, you know, we being studying Taoism, and a lot of the Taoist wisdom is connected with nature. So、mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to ask you.、Um, recently, you shared with me that one of your favorite shows. Uh, is alone. You know, I haven't seen it. My, I, I saw 
some of the uh, traders, but you um, know, I heard it's uh, it's been very popular uh, in recent years. Yes, they just finished season nine, which I haven't seen season nine, but I've seen all of the previous seasons, mm -hmm. and it became a bit of an obsession for me for a while when I had COVID. I was in quarantine for mm -hmm. a while and really just stuck in a room, and I got through a lot of that time by watching a whole lot of seasons of Alone. I see. I see. Yeah. What, you know, what cap, you know, captivated you and, you know, what, what really attract your attention, you know, to, because there are many shows out there. I know during the pandemic, everybody, you know, is going on a, a binge, you know, like it's trying to spend a lot of time, you know, not out, maybe uh, not with the friends, but, you know, they, they uh, enjoy the shows. Well, the thing that really fascinated me was seeing how does a person who has some skills, they don't just pick random people, they pick people who do have some pre-existing skills with mm -hmm. survival, but how do they harmonize with nature really it was about seeing what's their approach to Tao. you know we talk about Tao and and walking the timeless way but i wanted to see well in reality when someone is presented with being put into a situation where it's just them and nature mm -hmm. what's their approach and how Taoist or not Taoist is that approach? What What is successful? What isn't successful? And I almost felt like it was a great laboratory for testing out some of the concepts in uh, Tao Te Ching. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, could you give us, uh, you know, some, you know, examples, uh, you know, to kind of illustrate how, you know, you know, Tao is manifested, you know, in a certain situation or with a certain uh, individual in the show. So there were quite a few people who, well, first I'll, I'll paint the picture. E each, each season, for the most part, there's a couple of one-offs, but for the mm -hmm. most part, you, there's 10 people and they drop them off in a really remote area that the, the areas have been surveyed beforehand just to mm -hmm. make sure there's pros and cons to each area, but they're, they're far enough apart that people aren't going to encounter one another. You're going to be limited to your certain area of, of this mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. It changes from, from time to time. They've been on Vancouver Island. They've been in Labrador area in, in Canada. They've been in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. They've been in, in lots of different places, Patagonia. And so there's a mix of people with varying skills, varying personalities. And 
the formula is simple. You get dropped off in your location with a, a set of 10 pools that you've selected out of potentially 40. You had 40 options and you get to pick the 10 that you want to depend upon. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. and then you get a beacon. And this beacon is used for them to, to find you, obviously, if, if there was an emergency. And it's also a way for you to quit. So if, if any time you're you've had enough and you don't want to continue, you press this button and they, they come and get you. And so wh- whoever is the last person to press that button, they win. They win the, the challenge. I now, see. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a little bit different So because people will say well, it sounds like Survivor and I wasn't a big fan of Survivor. I didn't watch it watch it too much. The the difference being is that in alone, there's no interaction with anyone else at all. So psychologically, it's a lot more burdensome. You you don't talk to anyone other than if if they come to do a medical check. Sometimes they will start doing that because people are literally starving if if they're not finding food. So they do send mm-hmm. in medical teams to check on people's vitals. But it's quite a bit different than survival, I think, or survivor the series that mm-hmm. psychologically it's a lot more demanding. And with the survival survival skills, it's a lot more demanding. The people on the show, they describe it as it's the Super Bowl of for survivalists, for people with survivalist skills. It's the Super Bowl. It's if 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 you win that show, that's the most difficult. You've proven yourself in the world of survivalists in a way that none of these other experiences can. I see. I see. So if you look across, you know, these different seasons, different locations, uh, the people who came out as a winner, do they have some common patterns? Like, do they, you know, manifest or demonstrate some kind of qualities or personalities? Well, some of the common things that I've heard people say, and I don't remember how many of these came directly from the winners' mouths, and and I'll get into the the winners and some of the things that I think happened. But a common refrain was, "You can't fight nature; you have to figure out how you fit in to this place that you've been dropped in." Hmm. Hmm. So the key word is fit in, is adapt, you know, adaptation mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, confrontation or, you know, a direct fight with nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it's it's um, how how we might think about harmonizing with Tao. That's essentially the same mm-hmm. sort of sentiment. I, I need to recognize Nature is indifferent to me. Nature doesn't care about my existence here. It, it, it could not care less whether I'm here or not. Right. And so I have to recognize my humble place in this situation and figure out how do I blend in with everything that's happening. I can't fight what's happening. I have to stay in harmony with it. Yeah, that's a very... Um... I guess when you think about it, 
it makes sense, but your first instinct is definitely not that one. You know, having lived in a human society, I guess like a lot of the times, you know, especially you know, one, you know, including ourselves, you know, feels threatened. Our, I guess, our first instinct is to fight or flight. Right? Either you run away or you, you know, you, you just you have to have that fighting spirit. Uh, so, based on what you're, you know, you're you're saying, that's probably not the kind of the winning formula. Uh, you know, if there is a formula uh, to uh, survive alone in nature, right? And and. One other option on that is to freeze. So to just become paralyzed at the situation and yes. and do do nothing. And and none of those options are going to succeed in in the long run. That while well certainly when confronted with big wild animals, you might have to be aggressive, act aggressive so that you're not treated like a prey animal to maintain an aggressive mindset constantly mm-hmm. it isn't going to be successful tell tell us some more about it like is there an example that mm-hmm. you know somebody yeah well for one what you, the first thing that you really realize when watching this is that um resources are are scarce that it's it's Mm -hmm. tough to find enough food to eat particularly when you're by yourself that the success of humanity was certainly through cooperation and cooperative efforts and so when you're alone you have to conserve energy. And so if you're aggressive, you're quickly going to burn out. You're quickly going to um, find yourself in a precarious position. And so hmm. what, I, what I saw was a lot of manifestations of Wu Wei, people only acting in the way that they needed to, to accomplish their daily needs and and not going beyond that so not wasting energy on things that weren't necessary that's very interesting that reminds of you know reminds me of some of this you know uh messages from drones actually um in terms of how many of us are you know chasing you know fame and fortune and not conserve our qi, you know, jing qi shen, you know, that natural uh, energy and spirit, you know, we receive from nature. So a lot of people get really burned out and exhausted because, you know, they thought, you know, the other things outside, you know, are what they're desiring. But when you are actually doing it, a lot of the qi is expended. Mm -hmm. So I guess in here, it's really prioritize what nature gives us and, and conserve that as much mm-hmm. as possible. 
Yeah, hundred a hundred percent. Just staying focused on what's necessary and not getting distracted by frivolous things. The other thing that people who found success were were diligent about is we've talked before about discernment and small things. Yeah. And and handling small things before they turn into big things. Hmm. That was a frequent yeah. So a frequent pattern for people who were successful, they did this sort of thing. For example, someone finds a mouse in their house. That might seem like a small thing, but mice, they chew through things to get material for their nest. So they might chew through your sleeping bag. They might chew through the rope that you use to create your fishnet to catch fish. And so if you just let that go and overlook it and don't handle it before it becomes a problem, what's going to happen is you're going to lose your only source of warmth, which is your insulated sleeping bag. And if you lose that, you're going to get hypothermia and you're going to have to tap out. You're going to have to leave. You're not going to survive. It could potentially chew through your fishing nets. And so you can't catch fish or not, not as easily. So the people who were very diligent about as soon as they saw evidence of, of mice or, or anything that could potentially create those problems, they would immediately focus their attention on eliminating the mice from the area. So they would create traps. They would create enough traps as possible, um, as many traps as possible to where the mice just wouldn't have a chance to succeed in um, doing these destructive things. Well, that was that's one, very one interesting. Example. Yeah. I guess in order to do that, you have to, uh, you have to pay attention all the time. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes in a in a busy lifestyle like we're living, sometimes I feel like you know we are oblivious of you know many things around us. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the small but vital details we totally miss because our mind is so preoccupied with with something else. How how can you pay attention to those little things that are, you know, uh, accumulating or, you know, their their potential uh, dangers or threats or challenges? Yeah, hundred percent. That if you think about our modern society since two thousand and seven, I'll say we can almost separate. I think historically. I don't know that anyone's doing this yet because it's still probably too soon for most people to see the effects, mm-hmm. but we're probably going to be able to put a dividing line in history starting in the year 2007, because that was the first year of the smartphone. That's when social media really erupted Facebook, Twitter. And historically, I think that's going to be a defining line because mm-hmm. at that point, the number of distractions that consume people that became such a huge amplifier. And I would say that for most people now, we probably spend most of our time distracted. 
Mm, mm. Yes, yes. We are all, uh, to some extent, I think, living in that world world of distraction. Uh, you know, those distractions, they must have implications of how our cognitive process works. Yeah, it's 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 just comparing it to the focus that you have to have to truly survive as a human. I would say that the only way that we can afford to survive with that level of distraction would be mm-hmm. if we were somehow kept animals or pets. Hmm. Are we already? We are on the way to it to to being like that. Well, I think the proof is in the pudding. That if if people can spend this much time being distracted, not paying attention, I think you know when you look at how nature actually works, the only things that can survive being that distracted from things and that disconnected from what's going on is if you're some kind of domesticated animal or or pet of some kind well then you need a master or you need a you know some kind of owner mm-hmm. uh to adopt that pets right because mm-hmm. otherwise but who that who who will that be uh it's not nature itself mm-hmm. it must you know maybe a small group of human beings yeah, I think if if when we look at the amount of wealth inequality today, mm-hmm. that there's been some people that have done some really interesting visualizations on the internet where to really try yeah. to get people to fathom how much wealth the people with the most wealth truly have in comparison to the average yeah. person. Yeah. They've done things like make a a box on a screen and say, you know, this box represents $10,000. And then you can, they'll do like the net worth of the average person. And, you know, you, it, right. it just it barely takes up any space at all on the screen. But then they do the same thing with these wealthiest people and you're just trying to scroll the mouse wheel through page after page after page. And it's like you, your, your finger gets wore out before you can even get close to scrolling through all of that wealth. I mean, $50 billion of wealth, it, it takes a lot of time to scroll through that many screens of boxes. Another one is that essentially the 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 people whose wealth comprises the majority of the wealth on the planet and the whole planet of right. you know 8 billion people now they could fit on one 747 and there'd still be seats left on that plane i see i see so this you know, group of wealthy people, I wonder, you know, what they are, you know, you know, they, if they, you know, become the sort of the master of the human race, I wonder what they are distracted, they must be paying attention, right? Because otherwise, 
because we are all living in the as a part of nature in reality, no matter yeah, whether we right. believe it or not. So with this group of you know with human mind, you know there are the the pets, you know the people who needs to be in order to enjoy that uh, quote unquote enjoy that mm -hmm. uh, pet life. Uh, somebody need to adopt them or control them or you know whatever word you use. So that person, you know, might be a wealthy uh, or wealthy group of individuals. But these individuals need to be on on the alert mm -hmm. for the whole human race, because otherwise, you know, if nature, you know, has something, um, it's happening, it's unpredictable. Uh, if they are not paying attention to the small things, if they are, I guess, you know, they are not the ones who are distracted, aren't they? Well, I think some of them probably are and some of them probably are not. I, th I think it, at this point, really what we can say is that this this whole artificial economic system has mm -hmm. possessed everyone. That, you know, even whether you're the the pet or the pet owner, yeah, there's, st there's still this mutual relationship of people in this economic system that everyone is, is caught up in. Right, right, right. Which brings us back to, you know, this uh, reality show. What I found is uh, most fascinating is it sort of, uh, you know, strips, uh, you know, the the safety net, out, you know, mm -hmm. of us. And we believe we live in this kind of the comfortable environment, but suddenly you are, you are put in a spot where you need to figure out, you know, how to survive. That kind of scenario is very interesting, and maybe sometime down the road, it will, you know, truly happen. Yeah, I think the the only down downside of a loan, I think, what would be really cool to see and this and I don't think they would make this show because I think it would be um, too threatening to the the status quo would be actually a community based version of this where you know pe people were not intended to live alone in nature we we survived in groups of 50 to 100 people working together in in nature and so what would be super interesting to see is hey let's take five groups of 50 people and put them in different areas and see how they develop a a cooperative community in these areas just based upon the materials and resources that they have without um, any sort of limits on what's, what sort of agreements that they can come up with. They could create their own um, rules and societal norms and kind of watch how that would unfold. I think that the, that the thing that would be threatening about that is that people would see, oh, wait, we actually can survive and actually create a pretty interesting and rewarding life. When you have 50 people cooperating with each other, like 
this is actually a pretty decent way to live. Well, isn't that similar to what、uh, Lao Tzu envisioned, Xiao Guo Guaming? Yeah.、Uh, in terms of size and scale and、uh, you know complexity or the lack of、uh, you know、uh, complex.、Um, I I, th- I think nowadays it seems like the our global society is getting so out of control. You know, if we think about the human evolution,、um, part of that reasons that have brought us so far is that kind of collaboration.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that enable us to accomplish things that we alone could not. Accomplish, but you know there's a limit to it. The limit, if you know, it's getting so, you know, unruly and out of control, then there are a lot of problems. And then we're busy trying to create、uh, create solutions, but in actuality, you know, more problems. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that w- within the system. Any notion of progress is is probably actually going to be the opposite. It's probably going to just going to be further regression. Probably all of the ideas that are coming out that people call progressive in some way will probably just continue to dig the hole deeper and deeper.、Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like with all what we can call a、uh, there's this this idea of a dissipative structure. And I know I'm just kind of throwing this out、mm-hmm. there, but essentially, what a what a dissipative structure is? It's a structure that, for it to maintain stability and not completely fall apart, it has to keep continuously being fed energy from the outside. So the the human body is an example of a dissipative structure that it it only stays together so long. As it's converting external resources into the energy to to keep itself going, as soon as that that stops, that structure is going to dissipate. It's going to fall apart, and and it'll happen quite suddenly. It's not a slow process. I mean, if you stop drinking water, your structure is going to dissipate real fast.、Mm. If you quit、mm. breathing air. It's going to dissipate even faster. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. So, so the well, connection I, I'm making. Yeah. Go ahead. The connection ahead. I'm making then is is to this system, the system that we're all living in. It's also a dissipative structure, and and we can see, based upon all the things that have happened with COVID, supply chain, the the supply chain, and. What's the supply chain based upon? To a large extent, we're seeing it's based upon these factories in China. So,、mm-hmm. when one of these cities shuts down in China, look at the huge disruptions then to the supply chain around the world. That structure already immediately starts dissipating. Just you know, one one big city in China can make that structure just start. Wobbling like like a teetering top, right? So, right. So, you know, 
we keep seeing more and more confrontation between the U.S. and and China, and obviously that can only be a, a problem for this whole structure. And what we can see then is the fragility of this global structure, economic structure, supply chain structure, and how wobbly it is. And it has to keep getting fed upon this daily diet of shipping containers and raw materials being extracted from the earth and all these things being shipped around the world. The second there's some disruption to the oxygen, to the the water, metaphorically, that system is immediately going to start dissipating. And so that's the same situation that we're in today. Very interesting. I I feel like throughout of human history, human beings are kind of wrestling with what you're describing. One thing that immediately came to mind is the, you know, the early Christian churches, you know, like Mm -hmm. just reading some of the letters from Paul uh, talking about, you know, human, the church working as a, as a human body, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the role of the members to that body, I find it's very interesting because um, there must be a lot of divisions and conflicts, you know, desire to just be all by themselves. Mm. But at the same time, there's also this imperative, this need to working together as a body. So that kind of tension existed. And Paul was trying to write to the, you know, different churches and trying to give his, you know, point of view on that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same as, you know, a lot of the things, the system uh, problem that you're talking about? I think, you know, if we're th- kind of thinking about it um, very early on, you know, because I came to the United States in the early 90s. At that time, it was it was still, you know, the, you know, being global, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think this grand vision of being global mm-hmm. is appealing to a lot of people because, mm-hmm. You know, people talked about the, all the possibilities, you know, the exchange of goods and ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, but living now, you know, as you know, we kind of observe, uh, you know, in the over the past few years in terms of supply chain, in terms of geopolitics. I guess we are coming at a point to figure out again. You know, without totally like tearing apart the, mm-hmm. uh, not only the social fabric, but also the global fabric, right? So there's a lot of tendencies, you know, moving toward that and say, let's, let's not, you know, talking to each other or working with each other. But that's, I feel like that's also is against the human evolution. But at the same time, if we are dogmatic about that human evolution and try to force it, and create this human yeah. uh, global humility without a uh, human uh, a community without um, taking into account individual needs, national needs, local needs. Then no one is solving those needs uh, while pursuing that global vision. It's problematic again. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. It's also very uh, ch- challenging. 
So where is that sweet spot between, as you said, uh, not being totally alone or you know using the uh, terminology like isolationist? You know, in this country, I think it's the same thing. Like say, there are like founding fathers who warn against the getting too involved and spreading too thin across the globe, versus you know we need to care about. The global issues. I think that tension is all, always been there. You know, how can we? You know, because United States historically and geographically has been blessed. You know, with the two oceans and you know that kind of thing that the founding fathers were worried that we, if we, you know, we're trying to become a expansionist or you know imperialist, then it will bring problems to back to the country. Yeah, it's a, it's a. There's a lot of ways that it could could happen, but there's that tension between right now between global and, and local. And I would say that mm-hmm. right now the the pendulum is very far toward the global, and and the local has pretty much been eradicated. I mean, just look, look yeah, at the me- yeah the media in the past fifty decades, or probably even going back further than that but media used to be almost exclusively local that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the paper was local it was run by local people there was no outside ownership of that and and while yes the the local media could still certainly be biased in favor of certain local people yeah, most people's worldviews centered around what was happening at the local level, and and to some extent that's true, but almost all of these local newspapers now are owned by global media companies, or at least you know conglomerate media companies whose owners right. do not do not live in those communities. They have broader political views. They have. Um, agendas that aren't so much about what's happening in the local community but things an agenda ha- happening at a higher level so that's the first thing that sort of then um a monoculture just just like when when farmers uh, take an existing land plow everything down and just grow corn or just grow wheat we talk about that being a, a monoculture and how devastating we're seeing that is on the ecosystem. That when there used to be this network of plants, this heart network of species, and all that's been stripped away, and now there's just one plant, the devastating effects that it has. And and we've seen the same thing happen with media. And so we can see. Everything has been pushed to an extreme in a, in a global way at mm. the cost of eradicating the local. But here's the thing. All ecosystems are local. There's, there's yes, there's, there's emergent properties global, like in the case of carbon output and global warming. Right. But ecosystems happen locally. That's, that's where they uh, emerge. And so how, how do we navigate the global and the local well obviously a lot more attention has to be placed on the local 
but the problem is is that the, the local now is just a means to an end to a global economic system that very few people genuinely profit from and so the local rather than being the epicenter is just something to extract wealth out of right 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 um, i'm thinking you know you you bring up the 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 global the the glo global local uh, um, dynamics um, perhaps another another dimension is the individual so global local individual sometimes i was wondering you know, to reverse the tides, you know, to turn the tides, whether um, eventually it will, it has to come out of uh, the individual, a deep, deep individual uh, to bring that change. Uh, because I feel like a lot of times the world today uh, that we see today, you know, we don't like it, but there are so many. It's 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 also the collective force, right, mm -hmm. of the all the individual choices mm -hmm. that bring give power to this world. Wouldn't it be that the same? Maybe individuals, more and more individuals, get fed up and and and, and see that's the not the world order we want to see. You know, we want to see more local uh, life experience. What what's your take on that? Where does that force come from eventually? To kind of turned the tides? Well, ideally, yes, it, it would happen that way. I think that the, the genius of social media, though, if you look, whether or not it was deliberate or it just happened as a, as a consequence, things like Facebook and Twitter, that has become the receptacle for everyone's frustration with this system. And yeah, yeah. People, people will go there and hashtag all of their anger, you know, hashtag all of their, you know, things that they think are injustices in the world. And then they go right back to just being a part of it and contributing to it, you know, getting their DoorDash or turning on Netflix or whatever. And uh -huh, so yes. all of the frustration and energy that would otherwise be used for people to change their lives, it just gets dumped into the internet where it dies and, and doesn't do anything other than actually what happens is, is that the shareholders of social media companies actually then profit from the anger of the average person who every time they tweet, every time they post something on Facebook, they're creating ad revenue for shareholders of these technology companies. And so all that energy then actually becomes a way to create billions of more dollars for the shareholders in this economic system. Yeah, 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 I can see that. I was wondering, are we, um, so it sounds to me like people nowadays, individuals are living a more of a dualistic life, right? So yeah. they dump their frustrations in a, almost like a you know a garbage can over there yeah. in a, yeah. you know on Facebook or Twitter but then they once they 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 let out their steam then they go back and live a life of consumption and mm -hmm. uh, comfort and convenience and so conform I would put conformity in there too what it, could you say that I would also add, I would also add conformity to your list that's a very important word to add 
conformity the, in the real world, in the real world, right? Yeah. To conform to the social order. Yes. Comfort, convenience, conformity. I would say those are the, the three C's of what this economic system, how it makes us pets. I see. Isn't, is, is this what life is? You know, I've been always told that we should have sort of the congruence or uh, uh, consistency or uh, integration uh, of our lives. That, mm. That's where, you know, integrity comes about. But the, this kind of life we individually live, like, you know, you have a, a, a role or maybe a mask uh, in the real life. And then you 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 show your true feelings, uh, you know, on social media. Mm. Would that bro- bring a problem, or that's just the the evolution of a human existence? Because these two things seem to be uh, you can switch back and forth now. I mean, tell me more about what, what you're what you're wanting us to focus on in that dynamic, this dynamic between our online selves and who we are in our. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It seems like these are, can be two different things Uh, in traditional society. Mm -hmm. um, At least I think on on the surface, you would like to individuals to be more, you know, Mm -hmm. congruent and consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're a farmer, you talk like a farmer, you behave like a farmer. Right. You, that's what your integrity is about. Mm-hmm. But the social beings, the individual beings in modern society. Now, it seems like we have two venues. Like oh, yeah. Online venue. Uh, you just become as free as you can. And, be, you know, if you want to be rude, then you mm-hmm. you become as rude as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then. You behave in certain ways in the visual society. I was w- wondering that kind of dualism. Mm. How does that? What's the impact of that dualism on human psyche? Is it is it yeah. okay thing, or is it actually eventually something? You know, we, we're getting to a, a boiling point that all that frustration will be spilled over to the real world eventually. It's just a matter of time. Well, I haven't heard anybody put this argument out, and it's just kind of coming to mind for me right now. But it's it's predicated mm-hmm. on first in in psychoanalytic um, literature. There's a concept known as a vertical split, and what and what that means is that some there's this idea of splitting where we split different parts of ourselves off and so that they only show up in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. This type of vertical splitting would be someone who, you know, maybe they're the, a pastor, but then the vertical split would be like, but then they're also, you know, grooming the kids and, you know, yeah, like a father or like, uh, right. They, 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 they play a, a role in the family life. Is that what you mean? Like, well, no, I mean like part of them, like I would say like part of them presents as really good, but you know, as the pastor, but then they're also molesting the children in the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, I see. So like there's a vertical split where when they're in this one mindset of being church pastor, they genuinely believe what they're doing, 
But then when they go into this other mindset, like another part of them that split off from the good part comes out. Right. And, and now it has its whole existence. So that's the, that's, that's vertical splitting in, in psychoanalytic terms and, and applying that to what you're just saying, where it seems like our whole society is moving towards suffering from this sort of um, psychodynamic process where there's the version of ourselves that exists when we're interacting with people in the real world, but then there's this online version that's completely split off from the person in our real lives that is kind of a, um, an ugly creature. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think it's always been kind of... Uh, so, like, I was wondering whether, you know, psychologically it's a healthy thing and also morally, morally it's a healthy thing because, uh, you know, I, the only thing I heard from uh, the, you know, uh, uh, Whitman's uh, poem is mm. I, you know, myself is yeah. a multitude, right, is yeah. a multitude. So mm. that means you have, a, you know, different small versions. I, I think we, in reality, we also shift our roles, mm-hmm. our response uh, to it. It's more like adaptive responses, adaptive. Mm behaviors in different situations. But it seems like that contrast between the offline world and real real uh, real world, that contrast is is becoming sharper and sharper. Exactly. Uh, I was wondering whether there's any implications that really split us um, apart. I mean in the past yeah. there are different uh, compartments, right? We are talking about compartmentalize our life, like our work life, yeah. our personal life. Mm-hmm. But this dynamic between the online, the somehow it needs, you know, I don't know whether eventually we are all at peace with their coexistence or somehow with the matter of time, we still need to, as individuals, we br- need to bring them together. That's the question. Yeah, yeah I think it's the, the latter because I think what's happening then is that people are getting fragmented. Their entire psyches are getting fragmented. And so Mm -hmm. now there actually isn't a complete person in any realm. You know, the person online isn't real, but the person offline isn't real either because (laughs) we've created, and, and in the process, because people can't trust themselves anymore, that's also where this breakdown in trust is, is getting, amplified by that same process. So this process of splitting people into fragments, now people have this awareness of, I've been, uh, I can't trust myself. And then I think that distrust then also generalizes to everyone else, you know, hey, like, I know that I, I appear to be this decent person in public, but online, I'm this monster. So how can I trust anyone in public? They're probably doing the same thing. Right, right. It's it, it's easy to kind of carry over, you know, carry over that kind of suspicion, right? That the, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So nobody so, knows who anybody is anymore, including themselves. And, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that still aren't affected by this, but we're talking about this trend that's been happening since 2007. 
and how it seems like, you know, it's coming along right around the same time that there's more political polarization and less and less trust between political parties where people are even talking about civil war. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think the splitting of people's psyches is also what's contributing to the splitting of the country, splitting of the political groups, the 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 split, the the fracturing of America and and the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. And the opposite, I mean, the opposite of that splitting is the harmonizing. Yes. Right? Right? Because, uh, yes. you know, in, interestingly, the other day I happened to listen to a uh, very interesting podcast called Awakening to the Meaning Crisis. In mm-hmm. one of the episodes, uh, it talks about, you know, very early on, even before, you know, Floyd, uh, you know, the Plato uh, talked about that, uh, you know, that tribe part part of the human mm-hmm. soul, right? Mm-hmm. The appetite and also the um, r- the rationality, mm-hmm. the reasoning, and also the uh, competitiveness, the three things mm-hmm. like, a, you know, like a chair, like a charioteer, and then the two horses, mm-hmm. right? So in that description, it seems like he, he used the word justice, but, uh, mm-hmm. but the really meaning of that justice is actually harmony. So mm-hmm. with human, human nature, individuals, it seems like there's always, uh, for it, for the human individual to function well, uh, there needs to be kind of natural harmony. Yeah. Now we are at a period, I, if, like, you know, since we're talking about it, I feel like maybe we're just at a given point in time when everything gets disrupted and we're kind of sorting out. Mm-hmm. Eventually, for human being to not to go crazy, there needs to be a harmonizing force from within. And then from within, maybe without. Yeah. Yeah, it can't can't be imposed. And that's the whole problem with politics is it wants to impose itself on the individual. And for the type of change that we talk about in walking the timeless way, it's a spiritual thing. So this is where all politics, especially in this system, are ultimately going to fail because the solution that people need isn't a political one. They always fail. That's what happens. It fails over and over again. It has to be a spiritual change, and spirituality only comes from within. Well said. Well said. I can agree with you more on that. So uh, we are at the close of the hour and uh, really being uh, enjoying uh, the conversation starting from being alone, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, any key takeaway from it is, uh, well, while the reality show, you know, is creating a situation of being alone, we know that human beings, uh, you know, are not alone, although, uh, you know, we can draw upon our individual uh, adaptability, right, to, mm-hmm. uh, to confront the situations we're put in, but not confronted in the way of, in a uh, combative mm. way, but also in a, in, a, in a smart way, right? In an yeah. adaptive way. And, um, you know, in addition to being alone, we don't want to create a big society that everything is out of control, but mm-hmm. we do have that connection with a small community mm-hmm. uh, that we all support each other. That's the kind of the key message I take away from uh, the conversation 
you know, we're having today. Yeah, exactly. That those how important those local communities are, but that also has to be uh, simultaneously a, a spiritual community for each person mm-hmm. to help, help lift each other up. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, thank you, uh, Yin, for uh, having this conversation with me and with our listeners and uh, look forward to the next one. Thanks, David.